This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. Hey everybody, it's Civilized Barking, Zach Jackson and Jason Lloyd. We are uh, 10 days removed from the end of the Browns season and we are through phase one of the Browns offseason. Yesterday, the Browns came to an agreement with Jim Schwartz to be the defensive coordinator. But, um, Jason, we're we're moving it along. It's a crucial offseason. It always is, right? Um, I don't think – well, we're certainly not going to run from the truth here about, about the pending hot seats and um, uncertainty with this team. But, you know, they long ago identified, and, and I think people would agree, <laughs> um, the defensive communication breakdowns and the – the inconsistencies on the defense were unacceptable. I mean, every team is going to miss tackles. Every team is going to blow coverages over the course of 17 games. But, um, you know, they they expect better. They need better. And Kevin had to do this. So in doing this, Kevin and Andrew Barry, and moving on from the defensive coordinator, you know, they put themselves out there, but that was going to happen anyway. In Jim Schwartz, they get experience. They get a guy who's been a head coach, who's been a defensive coordinator, who's seen a lot. Um. And, you know, he didn't need this job, right? He stepped away from being a defensive coordinator, had an advisory role 30 years in the NFL. But he comes in here and um, he's got some players to work with. He doesn't have enough players to work with. And, frankly, he's got about six weeks to fix it once that season starts. Yeah. Uh, I, I I guess let's start with your thoughts on, on them choosing him. We talked quite a bit at length over the second half of the season that, we both thought Woods was going to get fired. You know, I wrote it after the Buffalo game. He had to go. And I was looking this morning. We'll get into this a little bit. I was looking this morning at some of the numbers on his scatter chart. Now I'm going to write about this later on. And the defense actually improved quite a bit as the season went. But I just think that the the die had been cast and the decision had already been made. But, Zach, we kept saying, like, well, who are they going to get? And are they going to get anyone – of substance knowing that they could get blown out again in, in eight to 10 months. I have no idea if Brian Flores wanted this job or not. I really like Brian. Um, and maybe he turned him down. Maybe they didn't want him. I, I don't know. That stuff normally comes out a year later or so, but in Schwartz, you know, I, I, I reached out to, I don't think he would mind me sharing this. I slacked Mike Sando yesterday just to say like, what do you think? Cause, uh, Mike, obviously one of our national writers, uh, is in touch with a lot of different people and knows a lot of different people. And he said, quite frankly, he felt like Schwartz is elite. And in it, in Zach, it feels like they did, they didn't, they didn't have to settle for their third or fourth option. It feels like they got a guy who they targeted, who they wanted. Um, it is an impressive hire. I think, you know, um, in Tennessee, he was sort of a consultant. He wasn't really on the field a whole lot. It doesn't sound like he didn't do any on-field coaching during practice. I think a lot of it, they didn't, you know, the optics of it with their own defensive coordinator. And and so he was more or less a, a sounding board and a consultant, but has been away from the game for a couple of years, probably got his batteries recharged a little bit, stepped away at the end in Philadelphia on his own accord um, and has now been off, what, three years? And yeah. probably itching to get back. And and from, from that side of it, he's 56. I don't know if he has any aspirations to ever be a head coach again or not. I don't know if he would ever get another opportunity or not. The, the league seems to be trending younger and younger with its head coaching hires, and he may already be out of that window. But it feels like at least 
that they did better than what we feared that they might have to do toward the end of the season. Is that fair? Yeah, no, I, I think that's a good place to start. Um, you know, based on just little bits of intelligence, really from December 1st until last Saturday, um, Jim Schwartz and Brian Flores were always at the top of this team's list. Schwartz was the first interview. Flores was the second. You know, I, I think when you go into it, you obviously hope that you're right, you know, um, on it and, and hope you can get your first choice. But there are reasons you go through and, and you have to be always be prepared to go past plan A and plan B, you know, in the NFL. But to not do it here, I think more than anything else, it's like, OK, they identified it. He was a fit and it's low maintenance. It's quick and on because this team needs low maintenance, quick and on. Right. Like whenever they introduce Jim Schwartz and I don't know if it's tomorrow or two weeks from now or whatever. I mean, he's going to be busy. Once he officially gets started with the staff and, and getting to know the team further, right? He's going to say some version, Jason, of I'm 56 years old. I didn't need this job, but I did it because I think it's a good fit here. I did it because I think there's good players here. I did it because we expect to be in the playoffs right now. And that's what this has to be about. This offseason has to be about less BS and more instant results. And as I wrote in my kind of checklist for Schwartz yesterday, you know, obviously, I've covered a lot of coaching changes here with the Browns, guys. Um, but almost all of them have been of the starting from scratch variety, right? Of a new coordinator gets hired by a new head coach who's almost always working for a new GM. And it's totally about new philosophy, new everything. No, this is, okay, his 4-3 is different. His principles are different. But he's been a coordinator. He's been a head coach. And he has to reach Miles Garrett first and foremost and say, here's what we expect. And Miles, you've been good. And frankly, that hasn't been good enough. So let's work together and get you great because you great gives the Browns a chance, right? Looks at a pretty good cornerback room, looks at an absolutely putrid D tackle room. You know, he took this on, right? He, he, the level of input, the level of experience, it all has to translate. And I think this has to continue. I'll continue to harp on it when we talk about it, when I write about it in general. Like, it has to be a business offseason for the Browns because. If they don't get it right immediately, then it is going to be a 10-month job for Jim Schwartz because they're all going to be out. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, and it, it's – maybe we should have connected the dots early on. Maybe he was the guy all along. Like you said, I'm, I'm curious your thoughts Well, here, let me cut you off on that, that, he was. that real quick. You know, he, he might have. But to me, and especially this is the Browns' MO, this long-term planning thing, when you're in this and it's a very public thing, like a coordinator search is, you might as well interview as many people as you can because you never know, right? They wanted to interview Mayo. He's 36 years old. He's only been a coach for four years. Sean Desai, 39 years old, been a coordinator. Like he's going to be available for the Browns or for other teams at some point, right? Uh, Denard Wilson, you know, a part of the staff in Philly that in two years has revitalized everything and this year set some sort of NFL record for sacks. And like when you have these opportunities, you might as well get to know these things. And because you're kind of checking your own processes too, right? These guys who are completely different than Jim Schwartz because they're 25 years younger than him, 20, 20 years younger yeah. than him, right? But you also, you want to take this to see, okay, is this what we're thinking? And who who is here in the future? Because you can't run from that. Now, if, if the Browns go seven and 10 again, then – there's nobody's going to be here to do the hiring. It'll be kind of all from new, but you see what I'm saying? Like you might as well take advantage of this, even if Schwartz from December 1st or even November 1st was always in one of your top two spots. 
Yeah, and and you never know what of it, what openings you're going to have two years from now, three years from now. Get in front of guys now and, and start to get a feel. I think coaches have talked about that in the past. You know, we talk to this guy now, not necessarily for now, but in case it's a fit later on down the road. But the point I was going to make was, you know, Schwartz was on the – he wasn't a finalist. I think, you know, Sally and, and Kevin were probably the finalists for the job in 2020, but Schwartz was on the list. And that was the list Paul DiBodesta put together because Andrew Barry wasn't here yet. So you know Paul DiBodesta liked Jim Schwartz. Barry spent a year with with him in Philly, so you would tend to think that, you know, Andrew obviously liked him. So does it make sense in that totality? Now, what's Kevin's role with him? What's Kevin's relationship with him? You know, Kevin obviously spent his entire career in Minnesota. I don't know that really their paths would have crossed at all. I did look back on a playoff game. Uh, you know, the Vi- Kevin hung 38 on him as a play caller when uh, the Vikings played the Eagles and beat him 38 to 20. But beyond that, what was their relationship? What's the extent of their relationship? I'll be totally honest. I, I have no idea right now. But certainly it seems that Paul and Andrew had some sort of familiarity with him going into this. And how much do you think that that factored into it? I think a lot. You know, I, I think Paul and Andrew had had long known this change was coming, right? <laughs> um there's still that cloud of mystery on what Paul DePodesta actually does, but chief strategy officer and guy that we know for a fact sits at the front of the room, um, developing a list and developing desired traits on how to expand that list and then narrow it would, would be a huge part of his job. Right. So yeah, I, I think that all fits And And I agree. Like I said, I, I just wanted to kind of make that point on, on using this time, but I, I totally agree with, with the gist of your argument that like, saying, hey, we identified this guy at the top of the list and we got him signed up within nine days. That's that's progress. That's a good thing. And uh, we'll see how that translates. And uh, I had another thought. It just fell out of my head. Where was I going to go? I had another. Where was I going to go? It sucks getting old, man. <laughs> Let me pivot to something else I want to talk to you about because I was, I was pulled up a scatter chart today, this morning, uh, as I start to write about this. And the Browns defense finished last year not as bad as you would probably think in terms of the numbers. And I'm going to write about this later on. But, you know, after the Bills game, or actually I wrote it before the Bills game, they had the worst defensive rush EPA in, like, the history of the metric since since our data goes back to 2000 and since 2000. They had given up the equivalent of 35 points on the ground. And as the year went on, it actually got better. I think it ended around minus 16 and a half, which was tied for third. And if you if you look at the scatter chart, which I'll include in this in this column that hopefully will go up later today if I can ever finish it, they basically finished on par with the same run, rush defense as the Giants and Chargers. Uh, and really, pass defense-wise, they were the same as Buffalo, Dallas, and Cincinnati. Very close to those three. So... I guess my contention all along has been fix the defensive tackles and you're going to fix a lot of the problems that are going on with this team. You called it putrid. I think that's a perfect way to describe it. I don't know. Frankly, I don't know if they have more than one NFL caliber defensive tackle on this team right now. Uh, Just am I crazy? Is that where you start? Where does Jim Schwartz start first day on the job and how much input do you think he will have I think the front seven needs almost a complete overhaul. Uh, yeah, no, he Wright, absolutely I think showed does. flashes. Um, you know, I, I think, yeah, fairly when you break down the personnel from last year, it was obviously the defensive tackle. And I think the run defense 
was so bad that it obviously leaked to other areas, right? Not being able to get off the field just just kills you. It just it just kills you. And then when you have to overcompensate against the run in the NFL, even the mediocre teams are going to expose you otherwise. Um, I thought it was a super inconsistent defense because we did see not just one or two performances. We saw a handful of times where the defense was good and what it was supposed to be. You know, and frankly, yeah. we saw Jadavian Clowney be hurt the first half of the year, play his ass off for much of the second half of the year, and then quit the team in week 18. <laughs> and a lot of those good performances, guys, can be traced to when Jadavian Clowney was interested. This guy's a run stopper. He's a force. Um, you know, Miles was not he- oh, Miles was also not healthy for much of the first half of the year with with that, with that shoulder. So um, Miles wasn't healthy all year. No. I don't think. I think that hurt him all year. Long. Right. And and then the linebacker thing. You know, it they ended up losing four guys. But really, you know, what was most alarming is when Anthony Walker, who is a great dude and a and a proven NFL player and a, and a team captain type, you know. When you lost him, that was a that was a loss because of the intangibles and the leadership. But when you lost him and the whole tent seemed to fold, it was like, okay, there was a problem with the rest of the tent. Right. And some of that was frankly Jacob Phillips yeah. just wasn't ready to play in his third year. It's he's just not. And then, you know, the defensive tackle problem got worse. I mean, they they no showed that Miami game and the day after claimed a guy from Miami's practice squad, a 25-year-old undrafted rookie defensive tackle, and that guy played in the rotation six days later against Buffalo. So that's how bad that situation was. Ben Stiller. Was. Yes. <laughs> Whatever his ben name Stiller. was. <laughs> yes. But, yes, to get back to it, um, sorry to, to bring up those scars, guys, if any of them are still fresh. God bless you. Um, it, it, it does have to be defensive tackle. Uh, now, it has to be how he wants to use the linebacker, specifically JOK, who's the only one of that bunch that we know is going to be here. Right. Uh, um, it has to be, OK, you know, what are we going to do with John Johnson and this guaranteed money? And do we have a true um, single high safety, free safety on this team? Because it doesn't appear that Johnson or Delpit are that. And, and Jim Schwartz has been a guy who's played that cover one, you know, where you need that. And that center fielder kind of lines everybody up. So we'll see how that goes. But, yes, as far as when we get to the combine and, and you know, start going through – where not only where the strength of this draft class is and the strength of this free agent class might be, but in terms of who might be available because another team has cap problems or, you know, needs to pull resources together for one thing or another um, and start looking at defensive tackle. Yes. Yes. The Browns need to be involved, right? So the Browns need Deron Payne is the name that gets thrown around. I can't imagine Washington lets him out the door, but nobody knows whatever goes on over there. So we'll see. Um you know, can you find a combination of uh, older guy who you know can start and just be that, say, Malik Jackson type and still get, you know, a frontline player? I mean, Jordan Elliott can play in the NFL. I don't, I'm not sure he's going to start for you. He's only got one year under contract. I think Perrion Winfrey showed at the end of the year that he's worth further development and you hope that he can play for you. He has the ability to play for you. Does he have the mentality and the maturity to play for you and reach anywhere near his ceiling? I don't know. And that's going to be up to Jim Schwartz. But So, yeah, from a personnel standpoint, he has to be involved. I mean, you would assume that that was a big part of the discussion. Jim, what do you see in our defense? You know, where where do we need to go? What level of input do you have on, on where we go first? But, you know, he's got to get everybody on the same page because just so much of the stuff last year – was unacceptable. And obviously that jet scheme kind of stands on his own as just one thing, a lightning stroke four times. 
But in general, yep. like you cannot have the discipline stuff. You cannot have the communication stuff. And when you do have things that go wrong early in the year, you have to clean them up. You can't linger. Because for really, as you mentioned, as well as the defense played in probably four of the games of the last seven or eight games, in the last one they were right back to letting George Pickens run right down the middle of the field and nobody was covering him. Yeah. Uh, I thought of the thing I forgot, but I want to – I'll get to it in a second. But while we're talking scheme and personnel, <clears throat> he runs a 4-3. We talked in the locker room. I don't think we brought it to the podcast. Uh, we talked in the locker room. You don't think it really matters, 4-3, 3-4, because everyone's a nickel most of the time anyway. I did talk to one player in the locker room who felt like 3-4 is sort of the standard now in defenses. A lot of teams are going to 3-4, but I tend to agree with you that everybody's a nickel, so what does it matter? How much do you know about Schwartz's schemes, and do you think – how drastically different do you think it will look than what Joe Woods was running? Well, you know, he's known for the wide nine, you know, the setting out yep. those um, defensive the, ends. The and ends. And that's, yep. that, that's Miles, right? Um, you know, I think it's it, – I put this in the story. You know, he was 35% zone over his last three years in Philly, Joe Woods was 70% zone over three years in Cleveland. So I, th- I think and a lot of people said this, like as you picked apart some of the defensive problems, there were obviously multiple, but one of them was the Browns have man-to-man corners and they were, they were sitting back in zone. They were giving up, frankly, too many easy ones, right? So I think that'll be an adjustment, but you feel like you have the manpower for that. I mean, it's time for Greg Newsom to make some plays, but he's a talented player. You know, Martin Emerson, really green, but showed some real promise last year. Um, and then, of course, Denzel Ward, who you've committed to, and who I thought was outstanding in the back half of the year. So, um, you know, to me, I, I, I want to hear from Schwartz more on, on diving into the personnel and speaking a little bit out of school in terms of how he'll use other people outside of Miles Garrett, right? But to me, it's it's more of who is it? Because they drafted Alex Wright last year, and he played. And, and he looks the part of prototype defensive end. But is he a starter in year two for a good defense? You know, I don't know. We, we know they don't have defensive tackles. And then Walker's off major injury to free agency. Taki Taki's off major injury to free agency. JOK is off some sort of injury. And, and you can't count on Jacob Phillips. So, yeah, it, it's, it's more about answering the personnel questions and then letting that um, – more about answering the personnel questions – in the basic principles slash fundamentals to me because the Browns were just so sloppy in so many areas. Like I trust that Jim Schwartz within three weeks will instill how he wants to play and then that will play out. Right. But they just have to get back to not giving up easy ones and not getting caught completely out of position um, because that will help unleash Miles Garrett and Alex Wright and whoever else it's going to be more. I mean, Chase Winovich might or might not come back and win your fourth defensive end role. That's that's not a factor. Like, if they're moving on from Clowney, and they probably are because they have to be embarrassed by this, like, where are they going to find as many as three instant NFL starting caliber defensive linemen? Schwartz is a part of that, but that's yeah. on that's on the personnel staff more than anything else. The Clowney thing's frustrating. <laughs> I... I thought he was a mercenary to begin with. I didn't think you could trust him to begin with. He had one very good year, better than I thought that he would be his first year here. Uh, last year, he didn't look very interested in playing football to me for most of the year. What's unfortunate is he seems like he would be a perfect fit in Schwartz's scheme, no? I, I don't think you can bring him back. I think he's toxic at this point and radioactive, and I don't think there's any way he steps foot back in Cleveland ever again. But 
boy, it just feels like he would be a perfect fit in the scheme. Yeah, um, <laughs> the guy's he is a mercenary, but like this is the NFL, right? You know, it, and what's extra frustrating about that is that was Andrew Barry's guy. Andrew Barry long ago diagnosed that guy. Uh, for who he wanted and and as that running mate with Garrett to make them scared. I mean, two number one overall picks who look, who look like that. Remember back in the COVID years at training camp when you were only allowed to stand in certain corners and you'd look down at the defensive linemen like two and a half practice fields away and you could tell which ones were Clowney and Garrett because yeah. they were so much bigger than the other humongous yeah. human beings, yep. right? So yep. that that's what's yep. frustrating. Yep. I, I don't think he'll bring him back. And, of course, they'll 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 never come out and say it, right? Um. But you know what? They're they're going to look for. I think they're going to look for a trade to acquire a defensive lineman, um, and then you know I think they'll look early in free agency and they'll look for guys. I mean, Clowney doesn't sign until late May, or Clowney this year will probably sign with someone on August fifteenth, and that's just where he is in his career. And to to go back to what Miles Garrett said, we need volunteers, not hostages. And so I'm not going to say that the off season matters a ton because it doesn't, but. You know, this is a team that really needs to show improved maturity and commitment and attention to detail yeah. to, to get me to believe. So, um, yeah, when the Browns are doing these evaluations and, and most of it will be crunching the numbers on who, who could be available and, and attainable for what draft capital they have, they better do some digging into guys' commitment level and guys wanting to be here um, because because they need that. And, again, like, you know, Anybody who doesn't think that this thing is is on a short leash um, is kidding himself. So the fact he's got head coaching experience, I think, is super valuable. You know, Kevin's not going to give up the play calling. I I I think I'm tired of talking about it. It's not going to happen. I don't think he should. I know I'm in the minority on that. It's working. Um, what, what they're doing is working offensively. Deshaun was a disaster the last six weeks. I get it. I think there's a lot more factors at play than play calling in that. He got more out of Jacoby Brissett than anyone thought possible. We talked about that at length. But he needs somebody who can command the defense and run the defense. The fact Joe Woods did not have head coaching experience, the fact that Jim Schwartz does, I think is intriguing to me or a little fascinating, I guess. And obviously Schwartz is going to have full control and power. And I guess that's why I really wanted either him or Flores because both of them do have – head coach and experience. They're going to be the head coach of the defense. You know, I covered Ohio State. I mentioned this yesterday on Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. I covered Ohio State when Trussell was there. And when the defense was on the field, Jim Trussell was 45 yards away from the play with his back turned to the field. Like, he could care less what was going on defensively. He was all about his offense. And nobody seemed to have a problem with it, and they won a national title. And I know they won, and the Browns haven't won, and that's a big to-do, and that's that's a big difference. And I think that's why Jim Schwartz is here. And... uh I don't know. I just think the fact that he's got head coaching experience probably played quite a big factor in this because I think he will have full reign, full autonomy on the defensive side. And I don't think anything is going to change in terms of Kevin's involvement on that side. I know people want him to be more involved. I think he probably can be a little bit more involved, but I don't expect to see any drastic changes. Uh, Schwartz has a reputation of being a little bit of a red ass. I think that's a good thing. He's not warm and fuzzy. He's not a jokester. He's not going to smile a lot. You know, with the clip, obviously, from a few years ago when he was the head coach of the Lions and Harbaugh smacked him on the back and he turned around and wanted to fight him. Like, that's who this guy is. And I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. No, I think from a perception standpoint, I think fans want to see that. I think the way you lay it out there in terms of grabbing the attention of the room um, is important. And, 
like you know they need that they 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 need to to do it right now um this this group is pretty pot committed to these players right it's a lot easier yep. to change the coaches and the guys picking the players than it is to change these players there there are some exceptions and there probably will be a personnel shakeup um over the next 4 to 6 months that we don't see coming but you know, Miles under long-term contract and Zell's under long-term contract. They've drafted a bunch of guys on defense. It's only about three of them have made any plays at all, right? Like they, th- these guys are here, and so um, you know, in committing to them, they said this group's good enough. In making the Deshaun trade, they said this group's good enough. Well, then they went out and they were good for about five games, and they were shit for seven, right? So they, <laughs> this has to be um, instant re- instant results with that. Um, as far as a, a timetable here, guys, for anything as, as we begin to, to wind it up here, um, you know, Schwartz and Stefanski will get to hiring the defensive staff. There have been the, none of the assistants were formally let go when Joe Woods was. Um, many of them will be. I, I don't know exact things. Um, I just wanted to point out when, when you were saying, Jason, I don't think that Kevin is going to move off of anything when you mentioned the play calling is when I thought of this or, or move off of Mike Prefer specifically. But I am willing to give things on that front a few more days anyway because all if this was A1 of the offseason, right? So let everybody else kind of unwind Get this done, knock it out, and now go to the next phase. You don't. It's, it's January. You don't need to take on thirty challenges at once. So probably they're going to stay, but I think give it a week on that front. Um, I still think at least one of the new coaches who gets hired will interview Drew Petzing for the offensive coordinator job. Whether that works out or not, I don't know. That would, of course, would lead to changes and, and additions that need to be made on the offensive side. On the offensive side. side. But other than that, you yeah. know, the playoffs are going on. The Browns are watching. Um, on Super Bowl weekend, Joe Thomas will be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Um, I would assume Andrew Barry and his staff will be at the Senior Bowl in Mobile, um, which is two weeks from now. Um, that's pretty standard. And then really, they get back. It's the start of February. That leaves about three full weeks for all on draft meetings and the next stage of the free agency plans which leads right into the combine. I think the combine starts on February 27th, like exactly two weeks ahead of start of the league year. So it's pretty far away. Uh, right now, obviously, we're only one weekend in the playoffs, but it does move quickly. And, um, you know, they're, they're, Schwartz is going to hire almost an entirely new staff. And if they do have to make any more changes, then it will be a busy few weeks for the Browns. So we'll be here uh, writing, talking about this when we have. I will be at the Senior Bowl. Um, watching the defensive linemen and linebackers specifically. I think there's a good number of players with local ties who are going to be there as well. And then um, we'll both be at the Combine. That That's when Barry and Stefanski speak on the record. But like I said, it, other, other than the formal introduction of Schwartz and, um, you know, a potential other changes, like I, I think it'll be pretty quiet, which what it is, and I, and I really am going to keep harping on that. The Browns need quiet. The Browns need a business-like offseason. They don't need any circuses. And, um, you know, under this ownership group, they, they tend to have circuses. So we'll see. Don't write it in pencil, but I think it's something to, to monitor um, as they go through these various stages of the offseason. There, 
they're not coaching the senior bowl, are they? I know you talked about no, the so, possibility. Yeah, so the, the full staffs are going to the East-West game in Nevada. They, they didn't get picked for that. The senior bowl is doing a little different format where they're taking various assistant coaches and just putting makeshift staffs together to let position coaches be coordinators and coordinators be head coaches, things like that, which I think is a cool idea. So one or two guys might be mm-hmm. involved, but no, it won't be the full staff. All right, good enough. Wrap us up and get us out of yeah, here. I'm sure so, we'll be back. I mean, that, that's uh, that. Um, if, if you haven't checked it out yet, and it just went up probably yesterday afternoon because I think it was about 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock yesterday morning that we got to Schwartz News. So I have the checklist on what he needs to do. Jason's going to be writing then. Um, we're awaiting that that word on when he will be formally introduced. And um, we'll have some other things covered. I, I do have some stories for February that I've been waiting on for a while. So we're going to let the news take care of itself and then we'll see. Um, The Browns never stop and a phase in their development is getting past this thing where the off season is the season. But we can all agree that this is a crucial, crucial few months for fixing that defense and for uh, making decisions on who they really want to ride with them in a season where they need much less BS in many more ways. This has been Civilized Barking. We will talk to you soon.